Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaleta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm uh, Francesco, your host. And in this episode, I would like to speak about something that is extremely important in machine learning, which is testing machine learning models. Uh, And uh, of course, the problem of testing is um, a very complex one. Um, There are many aspects of uh, testing machine learning model in production. And so I will start uh, defining what testing means uh, to start with from a developer's perspective, so from a data scientist's perspective in the process of building a machine learning model in a team of engineers, data scientists, uh, testing engineers, and so on and so forth. But as I said, there are many aspects of testing. And of course, testing cannot be squeezed into just one episode, which is why I'm going to have, um, I would call it a mini-series about testing. And I will also have some guests on uh, on this show in the next episode. And uh, they will uh, definitely give us a different picture, a different perspective of what testing means to them. But let's start from the beginning and uh, start discussing about how does testing machine learning models fit in a production environment. And so how can one be developing a machine learning model with production in mind? Now, production in mind, uh, and probably here I've been saying this a number of times in previous episodes, uh, means that you're not alone to start with. So you are working in a team of uh, other data scientists, maybe data engineers, um, definitely um, business customers, and of course, developers and testers. So there are different members of the team that look at the problem from different perspectives and they all contribute to produce something that can be served in production and in fact uh, you know being it behind an API or behind a standalone model it doesn't really matter but it's something that will actually be used on real data in production environments and so the goals of uh, well the first goal of testing machine learning models from my personal point of view is to make your machine learning models production ready and doing that as you develop them. So this is something that I've seen being extremely important in machine learning. And you know, I will show you what are the alternative approaches, which are paradoxically the ones that are the most common out there, at least according to my professional experience. And then the second goal is definitely code maintainability. So you want to write code that is uh, that you can maintain, that is easy to maintain, because when something is highly maintainable, it costs less. Uh, and it also can be migrated much easier, and uh, many people can be involved uh, with less friction and less barriers from the developer's perspective, of course. In uh, this episode, I would like to start with uh, so-called test-first machine learning. And so this is um, uh, an approach that uh, comes from, of course, software engineering. Many of the approaches that we see in data science and machine learning software development, in fact, they come from uh, software engineering principles. Uh, Because, after all, a data scientist, in my opinion, should be a a software engineer first. And uh, many times this is not the case, of course. There are many uh, folks out there who are data scientists without knowing that much about uh, software engineering principles. 
and so it's always a kind of um, an issue and uh, and sometimes it can be there can be some friction in within teams uh, because some people who are much more prepared from the statistical point of view and so from the statistical description of their data or their models of the use case and uh, in order to implement these things they also need to own other skills you know that are closer to the figure of the software engineering but that's not always the case so that's why it's very important to define these testing approaches and methodologies since the very beginning since the inception of your machine learning project if i want to summarize the concept of test first machine learning I would definitely refer to it with um, a uh, very famous quote, which is fake it till you make it. Now, this is a very valid strategy, or it can be a very valid strategy for startups and products, but it can also be valid for machine learning model testing. And so the fake it till you make it essentially consists of having something that is not yet there, tricking or fooling someone as if it were. So data scientists and engineers, it's well known that they run at different pace, right? And so this means that the barriers that the data scientists uh, meet during the uh, production of a uh, the implementation or the design of a machine learning strategy or model are different than the barriers that a data engineer might uh, encounter. And so usually these two folks travel at different speed within the team. And so this means that many times it happens that one is waiting for the other. In order to make the interaction among these people much smoother than it usually is, uh, fake it till you make it is a strategy that actually helps because many of the processes and the tasks that need to be there before proceeding, uh, well, they're not there. Whenever they're not there, you better mock them, right? And so that uh, someone can proceed with something, assuming that that piece of code or that particular task has been accomplished, has been uh, completed even though it's really not. So essentially the fake it till you make it strategy is um, the the core of, um, uh, of test first machine learning and uh, I will try to explain why is this the case. Well the uh, simple tasks that um, test first machine learning usually is composed of uh, are writing a test uh, and so as the name says in test first everything starts with writing a test um, and so even for a feature that does not yet exist, remember, fake it till you make it, right? So we we uh, we fake it till that particular feature is there. And so if we need to test something that is not yet there, we just mock it up. When I say everything starts with a test, I really mean that um, even before the machine learning model is there and before the data connector is there and before all the other things like data pre-processing and ETL processes, data pre-processing, data cleaning and so on and so forth, before even the model exists, start from the test. And so the test is, for example, if you want to test a linear regression, probably the, the test you would like to start from is the uh, that block of code that, uh, given some inputs that you know, uh, returns, well, performs a prediction, some projection with uh, using linear regression and uh, um, returns a certain output. And so, for example, uh, if you expect the model to return, let's say, number 42, well, you just mock the return 42 as indeed something that you are, you know, the test that is always succeeding. A test should be very small. And this is the general rule that is always valid from software engineering to test first machine learning to any other testing strategies out there. I never found a principle that says tests can be large, right? Tests 
should always be small, very short, because it's much easier to control. If you want to test something that is more complex, just create additional tests. That's the general rule. It's always, it almost always valid. A test, of course, should be written after you understand the features, specs, and requirements that are usually discussed earlier during requirement analysis. So there should be a requirement analysis, right? So imagine when you are discussing with the business uh, about use cases and user stories, that's the time when you want to understand what are the feature specs, because on top of this, you will be writing tests the very next thing you will do is writing those tests. So as you can see, nobody's coding a machine learning model yet. Nobody is even looking at the data yet, okay? So this is the inception of your project whenever you are dealing with data engineers and, uh, and many other folks at heterogeneous teams, that's what you have to do. The second step is validate the test. Now, a working test will fail or pass for the right reasons. So you need to specify what these reasons are. And uh, this behavior must be validated, right? So if you are in front of a linear regression and uh, for a particular uh, range of inputs, you expect a particular range of outputs, that's exactly the test validation constraints that you would like to enforce at a later stage. You have to define them here at the second step. The third step is, of course, writing the code. So this is the time to write the actual code that causes the test to pass or fail. And so we usually focus on the EpiPath first. If a model is, as I said, expected to return 42, we can just return 42 and we force the test to succeed. As I said, path first. Now, if there are, for example, time constraints, think about a, a, a linear regression that is supposed to run or perform a prediction in uh, two seconds. I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but okay. Well, this is a time constraint, and so you need to enforce time constraints. This means that, for example, fake it till you make it. You run a sleep of uh, uh, two seconds, and then you return the 42. So as you can see, in this test, you have been enforcing, well, mocking two constraints that your engineer will be very happy to deal with. Because, as you can see, there is no linear regression, there is no data, there is no data connector, there is no ETL, there is no cleaning or, or, or pre-processing, but your engineer can proceed with whatever they are doing. Because they know that that test is supposed to fail if I return 84, it's going to succeed if I return 42, and uh, I also have a time constraint on that test. So I know that if I perform a prediction, I'm going to expect something like two seconds. There is no other code that should be present at this point in time and goes beyond the task's happy path. Nothing should be added to the happy path. All right? Very, very important. Step four is about running the tests. Now, new tasks should not break previous tasks. This is the, the principle of software engineering. If that happens, well, you are experiencing probably one of the worst anti-patterns of software testing. But more on this later, when I will show you what are the things to avoid with, uh, uh, with testing. And the fifth step is adding the functionality. Plus other things, I will tell you which ones. So this is the step where we want to see that, for example, our machine learning model is training or is performing predictions, if, if that's the case, of course, if, if that's the code block that you are testing, of course. And so the questions that you would like to answer here at step five are, uh, for example, is it breaking the constraints that we uh, set previously? Is our machine learning model returning 84 or 42? 
Or how about time constraints? Is our model running in 10 seconds uh, rather than two? This step is also about refactoring. This is the step, and that's the last one for a reason. This is where you would like to clean up, refactor your code. It's also about, of course, adding the real stuff and seeing it if it breaks some predefined constraints, as we said, time or return values. Now, traditionally, if you speak to a software engineer, in this step, developers also clean up and they duplicate code. Uh, many times it happens that if you are, if you are a bit dirty when you, when you develop code, you might be replicating code and, and, and copying it around your, your code base. This is the step where you want to improve that. And so make your code more readable, improve maintainability, improve readability. And of course, this is valid for software engineers. And I think it should also be valid for machine learning developers because there's nothing different there. Like a, a data scientist to me pretty much looks like and should behave like a software engineer. It's just specialized with machine learning models, but there's nothing else and nothing different that uh, these two folks should be doing. They are producing software after all. I've seen many so-called alternative approaches out there, and uh, usually I've seen people falling in that trap. Myself, I've been falling in that trap a number of times, uh, especially at the beginning of my career. So the most common alternative approach is the so-called test-last approach, okay, which is exactly the opposite of test-first, <laughs> for a reason. If you want me to summarize the test-last approach, it's basically code now and test later. And that's very easy to fall in this trap because, you know, I've seen many data scientists being so enthusiastic about running machine learning models and implementing them first and then running them. And they just throw themselves into building Jupyter notebooks that perfectly predict things and, and the model is running and it's amazing. And then the problem is when you want to productize this thing. When you want to bring these things in production, well, that's where most of the, can I say shit, happens. Yes, so don't fall in the trap of these alternative approaches. This approach can be extremely risky in machine learning development. The test last approach, it's something that you have to stay away from. And this is due to the fact that even for a trivial linear regression model, there might be just too many moving variables compared with traditional software, for example. Think about UI, UX, API calls, data streams, databases, pre-processing steps, and so on and so forth. These are all worlds themselves and very complex monsters that you don't want to deal with all at once. And so the test first approach, in fact, is encouraging developers to put the minimum amount of code into modules, depending, for example, on a UI or databases, etc., and to implement the logic that should belong to the testable section of that particular code base. And whenever this stuff is not available, of course, you can use fakes and mocks to represent, let's say, the outside world indeed whenever it's not available. Now, one important pitfall to avoid here is bias. And no, that's not data bias. That's another thing. This time I'm referring to developer bias. Tests created in a test-first environment usually are also created by the same developer who's, who is writing the code being tested. <laughs> and this can be a problem. For example, if a developer uh, does not realize that certain input parameters must be checked, uh, well, neither the test nor the code will verify those parameters. This is usually solved in software engineering uh, by having different folks doing testing. You know, this is one of the main reasons why in traditional software development strategies, testing engineers and developers are usually not the same people. 
One of the anti-patterns of testing is having tasks that depend on each other. This is something that we, if you code in Python, for example, use PyTest, they keep saying that over and over again, even the library, you know, even the PyTest library doesn't allow you to do so for a reason. That's very important that there are no dependencies between test cases. And this is important because you might have a cascading failure or success that might be wrong. And so things might be failing because previous tasks or tests that this one is depending on are failing. The other anti-pattern is, of course, having large testing units. You can't just test everything in one block of code. So try to keep the unit small. Try to break it down in pieces. It's also easier for a, you know, a human being to, to deal with that. It's much easier to test that a particular model is returning something that makes sense and so a range of values given a range of inputs, for example, rather than testing that the data is clean, uh, the data is following a certain statistical distribution, plus the time constraints, plus the return values, etc. Only one test. You know, these things can fail independently from each other and you're observing them in a block. So that really doesn't help. I hope that um, I convinced you that test first is probably a better approach than test last, especially when it comes to machine learning models. If I want to summarize the benefits, well, there are several ones that are really important to have in your team or in your project. Uh, well, the first is definitely that programmers who wrote uh, more tasks tend to be more productive. And this is a, a statistics that comes from, you know, software engineering in general. If you write more tasks, usually you have many more things under control. With the test first, developers also spend much less time playing with debuggers. And this is very important because, you know, you can eliminate defects and bugs very early in the process. And this in turn usually avoids, you know, tedious debugging later in the project that also can have a lot of costs. The third benefit is definitely that programmers are forced to design the program and not just write code that adds untested functionality. And so design is extremely important. And what test-first machine learning allows you to do, well, actually forces you to do, is to design first and not later. Because you start from the test and not from the model. The model doesn't exist yet. The test does. To conclude, I want to say that, of course, testing code is as important as developing core functionalities. Testing code should be produced and maintained with the same rigor as production code. And this is something that unfortunately I haven't seen happening, you know, the number of times that I expected to. It is very important that people take testing seriously. It is very important. It could speed up things, even though at the very beginning it looks like you're wasting your time in defining a testing strategy and testing coverage. It's very important that you spend that time at the beginning of a project, especially for those projects where you are not alone. Because guess what? Your machine learning model does not exist only on your Jupyter Notebook. It goes out there in the real world. And the real world? There's no Jupyter Notebook. In the real world, there are APIs, there are complex systems, there are engineers, and you want to facilitate and pave the way to the best possible machine learning model in production. And that's what testing is for. I hope you enjoyed the show. In the next one, we're gonna touch many other aspects of testing when it comes to machine learning models and production environments. Thanks for listening. And of course, do not forget to come and chat with us on our Discord channel. The link will be provided in the show notes of this episode, as always, on datascienceathome.com. Thanks for being here and talk to you next time. Bye.
You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.